Okay, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and start turning to back to Mark chapter 1. We're going back there again. I'll get there. What you will be hearing again today is kind of repetitive. As we've been wor- working our way through Mark chapter 1, and looking at the stories that he writes about Jesus, it, it does seem to be the same idea, same theme. But repetition is good for us. We have the tendency to forget. Right? And so, let's be honest, for some of us, we come in here on Sunday morning, we look at Mark chapter 1, we forget about what we talked about last week, and so we in here seven days later, need to be reminded. There are some Sundays I can't remember what I preached on the Sunday before, okay? So I'm not blaming you. I'm just saying that's just the, the way that we are. So we're, we're, going to, we're going to continue on. So I went back to the doctor this week. And about four months ago is when Marianne dragged me out to the doctor and to get all these tests run. And, and sure enough, and I think I told you this, I... I had blood pressure coming out my ears, and uh, that uh, not really, but it was it was kind of high, and they and, and discovered all kinds of other issues um, that that were wrong. And um, a doctor said, "Now you're going to have to do this and this and this and this, and you're going to have to work on this." Right? Anybody else been had those conversations with the doctor? And the list is like alphabetized, right? And this and this and this and this. And um, and I sat there for the longest time, even when the doctor was done. I said, well, you understand what we're talking about? And I said, yes, but I'm ready for you to give me a pill. Right? Make it all go away. Give me a pill. The list was there. So as I've shared with you some of the things, I said, okay, i got to get to work. Not going to give me a magical pill. I got to, I got to cut out this, and I got to start doing that, and right. And so yesterday, you know, I had to I had to cut out all kinds of foods that I love. Growing up in the South has just really messed me up for the rest of my life. Some of these. Um, and so, for instance, yesterday. I mean, I'm, I'm just telling you this because for me, it's a continual challenge and a struggle. Went to little Carter Holloway's birthday party yesterday, and when it was time to eat the cake, they put him in front of his own cake, and he got to grab it with his hands and put his face in it, and he got it all over him, and I'm just sitting over just shaking. <laughs> like an addict, I'm like, oh, I want to do that. No, I can't. And there are times when you have withdrawals, you know, I want to do that, but I can't. But the doctor told me the other day, your tests are all good and your blood pressure is way down and this cholesterol is good and all the, I didn't know what she was talking about, and all these numbers are good. And she said to me, listen to this, what are you doing? I'm serious, she said that, what are you doing? I'm doing what I was told to do. But she couldn't believe it because most people, I guess, 
don't do it. I said, I want to live. Right? Now, again, please don't let me, don't, don't look at me and go, man, he's got it all together. My wife's sitting here. She'll tell you afterwards. I don't. I mess up. I struggle with this. But what I was told is, if you want to get to this level of health, you've got to do these things. Again, my mentality was, give me a pill. Make it all go away. And I will continue to live the same lifestyle I'm doing, but you give me the pill. It doesn't work. Okay? So in Mark chapter 1, um, before we do that, let, let, me re, let me remind us that Jesus knows um, what is best for my life. I think we would all, those of us who believe in Jesus, have given our lives to Him, who consider ourselves disciples of Jesus, would say, Jesus knows what is best for my life. That Jesus loves me. That His intentions and and, and the things that He says to us are for our own good. That Jesus is constantly challenging, challenging us to become more than we are right now. That is not settling for status quo. But that means the challenge is to get out of my comfort zone. To get out of that box. To deal with my fears. To experience some level of discomfort. See, but that's not what we want. We go to Jesus, right? Jesus described as the great physician. He lays this out for us and we say, great physician, you got a pill that'll make it all go away? That'll make me spiritually fit? No, there's some things you have to do. Okay, now, having said all that, back to Mark chapter 1. And let me remind you, in verse 9... Jesus uh, baptized by John, and the Spirit then leads him out into the wilderness or to, into the desert to be tempted. For 40 days, he's with the wild animals. And Jesus has to overcome. And so this is right off the bat. Jesus is ushered out to be tempted. And we wonder why we are. And as soon as that is over... In verse 14 and 16, uh, no, 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 verse, um, um, verse 12, no, and in verse 14, I knew I was right. His first message was this, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. And we talked about that last week and this idea of repentance. But think about the first two events in Jesus' life in the Gospel of Mark. Temptation and then preaching the message. We've got to change. We've got to change our mindset. We've got to let go of some things. We've got to be able to overcome. And so then that leads us to this week at verse 16. Interesting text. Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, and he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Here's his words. Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. 
And at once they left their nets. They followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. And without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. And they followed him. Now, get the picture. Again, we're still right in the middle of chapter 1. And Jesus comes up to somebody and says, come on, follow me. And somehow they knew, turn your back on everything that you have and everything that you're doing. And at this moment, follow me. Because I will make you something that you could not become on your own. But you've got to leave. Think of the audacity of Jesus to walk up to these people and say, come on, you're going with me. And think about putting yourself in this story and how would you have responded to Jesus? Now, just, just think about it for a moment. How would you have responded? Because I'm going to tell you how I probably would have responded to Jesus. I would have said, all right, Jesus, look, um, I got some questions. Now, before I just jump into this, Jesus, um, where are we going? Doesn't that seem like a question that you would ask? How are you going to do this? Well, now, Jesus, look, I'm a fisherman, and I'm out here working, and I make my living, I make my money fishing. How are we going to live? How am I going to pay the bills when they come in at the end of the month? Jesus, what would other people think about me? How am I going to explain this to my family? Wouldn't you think those were the questions plus others that would come to your mind? And we say, again, every week, Jesus is Lord and Master of my life. And rightly so. And thank you, Jesus, that, that you call us your friend and you call us children. We, it was wonderful. But Jesus, and we say we want to be a disciple and a, a follower of Jesus. And Jesus says to us, to me, come follow me. Let's go. It's time to pick it up and go. And I want to say, yeah, but Jesus, isn't there another way? And there's some other way we can do this? And I think Jesus, if we were to ask him, he would say, well, no, there's really no other way to be my disciple. But now the church has created a way which you can just be real comfortable. Do your own thing. Acknowledge me ever once in a while. Yeah. Christianity's really been working on that over the, over the centuries. Churches for centuries have tried to make it so comfortable for us. That really we lose our identity as Christians. 
Yes, ouch, that hurts, but this is the truth. And so he's telling these people, come follow me. Come on now. Let's go. James and John have to say, Dad, clean the nets, clean the boat. Good luck. I'll see you later. I'm going on. His dad probably wasn't too happy about that. Now, I know there are all kinds of ways that you can look at a disciple and a rabbi. I don't really want to get into that today. We, maybe next time we come across this text, we'll deal with it. But I will say this. It's kind of backwards for Jesus to call his own disciples as opposed to disciples kind of trying to become a disciple of a rabbi. But Jesus says, come on. Come follow me. And I thought about some of the other texts. Um, hold your spot there and turn over to Luke chapter uh, 9. And I'm thinking about Luke chapter 9 and uh, verse 57. And as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, to Jesus, right, here we are, I'll follow you, Jesus, wherever you go. Yeah, Jesus, absolutely, I'm in. I went to, I went to camp and I got baptized a long time ago. I, a, I went to the Tulsa Soul Winning Workshop and, and I got saved and I'll follow you anywhere. Jesus said, well, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. I didn't know that. Where am I going to live, Jesus? I mean, I got to have a house. I got to have security. I got the the winds blow and sandstorms, and it gets hot, and I need an air conditioner. And uh, maybe not. Now, this time Jesus says in verse fifty-nine, he says to another man, "Well, come on, follow me," like with the with the disciples, with the apostles. But that man replied. Well, you know, I, I got my family. I got, I got my family I got to take care of. First, let me go bury my dad. With the idea being, my dad is getting later in life. Most scholars tend to lean this direction. My, my family's getting older, and, and, and you, I, 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 right now I can't. It's a season of my life. And so when my dad passes away, mm, I'm in. That's the idea. Let, 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 me, let me go bury my father. And Jesus says, oh, yeah, I understand. Sure. Take your time. There's no rush. Go bury your father. And then when it's convenient, right? you notice I'm not looking down at my Bible. That's not what it says. For those of you, that's not what it says. Let the dead bury their own dead. And you go proclaim the kingdom of God. I really don't know how to comment on that. Let the dead bury the dead. You're following me? Let's go. It doesn't, doesn't get any more plain than that, does it? And another one said in verse 61, I will follow you, Lord. But first, just let me go back and say goodbye. I just want to go say bye. Hey, Family, I'm following Jesus, 
and I want to say bye, and I love you, and I don't know when I'll be back, but, right? In other words, I want to say bye because I tell them I love them, but to kind of get celebrated. Oh, wow, you're following Jesus? Woo, wow, oh, wow. Super Christian. Jesus said, nah. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Either going or you're not. Either committed or you're not. Am I following him or not? But these texts seem to support an all-out commitment to Jesus. I don't know, again, I don't, I don't know any other way to kind of explain that. Back up in chapter 9 and look at um, verse 23, I believe. <clears throat> Jesus said to all of these people, If anyone will come after me, he must deny himself, And take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his very self? If anyone's ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory. And I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. If you want to follow me, then it's a voluntary action that I take up my cross. I've got to pick up my own cross, right? The cross is an execution, a place of execution. I'm going to walk over and die to myself and pick up the thing I will be executed on and carry it in order to follow Jesus. Well, Jesus, can't you at least carry the cross? I mean, I'm saying I'm coming. Well, no, you go pick it up. But Jesus, that means death. Yep, that's right. Pick it up. Follow me. Let's go. Now, let me remind you again that where we started, Jesus knows what is best for my life. Right? And we amen that. We are, several of you are shaking your head like, yeah, that's right. I said, Jesus loves you. You say, yeah, that's right. Pick up your cross and follow him. I don't know about that one. I'm not sure about that one. Okay, back to Mark chapter 1. In verse 21, they went to Capernaum. And when Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and he began to teach. And the people there were amazed at his teaching. They loved him as a teacher. They sat through many boring Bible classes. And when Jesus taught, they're like, wow, this is pretty impressive. Because he taught as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Right? So now again, get the picture. He's in the synagogue. It's, it's prime time, show time. It's his church time. He's teaching. Right? Solemnness. Reverence and awe. And all of the sudden, right in the middle of this, just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Right? It would Think about communion. It's all quiet, and somebody stands up and screams this, right? Half of us would have heart attacks. The other half would be running. Security would be all over the place looking for what in the world is going on. What is this? 
It'd be a shocker. Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. The Holy One of God. Now, now hold that in context. I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God, right? We would say, amen to that. That's right. That's, that's who Jesus is. Let's sing a song. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says this. Now wake up your neighbor before I scare him, okay? Jesus says, be quiet. Come out of him. And, the, and by the way, be quiet, said Jesus sternly. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out with a shriek. Let me talk about that for just a moment. So this idea of in, in, in the synagogue, I think I preached about this a month or so ago, but he's, he's, he's teaching, he's preaching, people are amazed. This one who is possessed just begins to scream out. Know who you are, you're the Holy One. This sort of gets Jesus upset. Is that fair to say? I mean, he's sternly, be quiet, come out of him. Because Jesus is, is, will not stand for those things in this life that harm other people. Even if they're in church. That if it's destructive to another person, Jesus will not stand for it. If it's harmful, if it does damage, if it's keeping someone from seeing the truth, Jesus just won't stand for it. And so again, Jesus kind of puts his foot down and says, no, this will not be the case. I will stand against evil. I will stand against injustice. I will stand against harm. I will not be quiet. And Jesus says, come follow me. Well, now, now we've got to be careful. You know, in the society and the community that we live in, we've we got to be careful not to offend, not to harm. I understand we need to be as wise serpents but if it's harming other people disciples of jesus also put their foot down and say no if it's harming my family and it's destructive as disciples of jesus using his example we say no am i more committed to jesus or am i more committed to the standards of this world that's the challenge that all of us have to ask as we live here as disciples of Jesus. And again, I want you to think about it in context of the church. Are we going to be committed disciples of Jesus? Are we going to follow Him? Are we going to pick it up and go? I don't know where I'm going. I'm a little bit afraid. I'm, this kind of scares me. I don't know what my family's going to say, but I trust Jesus and I love Jesus more than I do my family. Rewind. Remember, Jesus knows what's best for us. Jesus loves us. But He's not called us to live a life of comfort and religiosity and stay in your box and let your fears consume you. No. He's calling us out of that. All right, I'm almost out of breath. That doesn't mean I'm done. I'm just saying I'm out of breath. 
have to go to the doctor and get a pill for that. It's a joke. I'm not. But I am out of breath. The people, verse 27, were, were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? We're not used to this. We're not used to seeing lives transformed, gathering together in the presence of God. What, what, what in the world is this? A new teaching? And with authority, he gives orders to evil spirits and they obey him. And so news about him spread quickly. Who is this guy? We're seeing lives transformed when we come together. That's just, that's just different for us. We're just used to these rabbis giving us knowledge and giving us more information and it being very intellectual. And Jesus comes along and he puts his foot down and he stands against those things that are wrong and lives are changed. Wouldn't that be amazing? If when we gathered together, we were so in love and so committed to Jesus that we were seeing in our assembly lives changed. It would be a miracle, wouldn't it? By the way, we're still in the first chapter of Mark. And again, let me say, one of the reasons why I wanted to go through this is because I think if we're not careful, we get this wrong idea about Jesus, right? And Jesus is your best friend. Oh, He loves you and He wants you to be happy. He wants you to find happiness. Okay, there's some truth to that. But Jesus wants you to follow Him. Jesus wants you to go through the temptations and the trials and He wants you to overcome and He wants you out of your box and He wants us standing up for those things that are wrong and He wants us to be bold. That's what a disciple is. Because that's when we start to discover new things, not only about Jesus, but we discover new things about ourselves. Some of us don't know what we can become because we have allowed fear to keep us captive. We don't even know what is possible. Some of us have worked on this and have overcome and you're like, wow. Okay, Jesus, you saw me through while I was scared to death. I was shaking, but I went for it. I put my foot down. I said, okay, I'm following you. It scared me. I didn't know where, the, I, didn't know where I was going to pay the bills for a while, but I did it. Wow, look at what you did. Look at how we overcame. And then I'm able to put more trust and faith in Jesus. I don't want to be mediocre. And so... I called up two of my favorite quotes. You've heard them. You've read them. We'll read this and we'll call it a day. Vince Lombardi. Right? Green Bay Packers. This is a long speech, but you ought to read the whole thing, by the way. I firmly believe that any man's finest hour, the greatest fulfillment of all that he holds dear, is that moment when he has worked his heart out in a good cause and lies exhausted on the field of battle, victorious. That's what Jesus calls us to be. Man, we're in the battle. We're tired. We've been giving it our all. 
But man, we are exhilarated with this. Then, of course, the classic. I'm going to have to read it from here. Theodore Roosevelt. It's not the critic who counts. I might have just preached this. We're going to get criticized. Yes, we understand that. We'll get criticized. Anytime you change, you'll get criticized. But it's not the critic who counts. It's not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man or the woman who's actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again. Because there is no effort without, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who actually strive to do the deeds who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Jesus knows what's best for your life. Jesus loves you. And to follow Him, He's calling us into this adventure, into these challenges, into calling us to become everything that we can be for the sake of the kingdom of God. And by His grace, and by His love, and by His power, we will go there. I want you to listen. Listen carefully. Jesus says, Follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. <laughs>